Hi, you're listening to Creatrix Culture. I'm your host, Sarah Wolf, and we are with our co-host today, Jess Hendrick, and we have the most beautiful returning guest, Alice Kalsa, who's a trauma-informed women's coach. I think there was one more word in there. Did I forget? Empowerment. Empowerment. (laughs) You got it. Alice joined me at the beginning of the year and we had a beautiful coaching session on air together. And now we are bringing her back with Jess because we are all friends and sisters and in our tribe. And I was ready to reconnect and Jess wanted you back on the show. So here you I are. Did. Selfishly. <laughs> I just wanted some time with Alice and I was like, oh, we could have Alice on the podcast. So. But you and I did talk about you coming back. We did. So here we, we're, we're sticking to our word. We really are. We're honoring yeah. our word. I love it. And I love that y'all are together. Yes. You're, how did, when did you start collaborating? Co-hosting and, yeah. When did you start co-hosting? Um, It's been a few months now. Jess mm-hmm. and I were talking and we both like, you know, obviously have different journeys, but similar timelines and like, even though the story is completely different, we kind of went through a very similar healing Mm -hmm. and everything. And we both like emerged on the other side and we hadn't even connected in a while. And then I don't even remember how we started. Oh, it was when Leslie, Leslie was moving back to the East coast Yeah, that we all went to lunch together and I hadn't seen her or talked to her in months. And then we just started talking after that. And we're like, wow, we really, have been on a very similar trajectory in this certain healing of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we're like, let's podcast about it again. Mm-hmm. Cause she was on the show sometime last year, I think in the beginning last year, it's been a while. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then we just like dropped in and the, the way we just dropped in with each other and the, the chemistry that was just there. Mm-hmm. And we just like felt so lit up after I was like, do you want to do this with me? Cause mm-hmm. It's wow. more fun with a friend. Yeah, yeah it really is. Yeah. Oh, I love that. When Jess told me y'all were doing it together, I was like, this is the best news. It's yeah. Best. And I remember too, we, because we hadn't, not that like nothing happened. We just were not really in each other's energy fields for whatever reason. And the first phone conversation we had to catch up was like four and a half hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it went to like 2.30 in the morning. Amazing. Oh, yeah. one. So we're like, maybe. And there were so many little nuggets in there that would we thought could be helpful for people so we're like maybe we should record this next time and then we just kind of kept feeling like oh we there's more there's more and then it's like just come on board and I was kind of like with this podcast feeling at a lull with it like I started the new year strong and then it's a lot to carry by yourself imagine it's a lot to hold yeah it's a huge ability and I just wasn't feeling that inspired in this new year and then so I kind of hadn't done an episode for a minute like a month or two and then just yeah like having some fresh energy come in to kind of like keep it keep the energy going Mm -hmm. um and now we're we're really pumping an episode out a week yeah guys yeah Wow. wow I'm so happy to hear that yeah I'm happy to hear you're back in the desert (laughs) that's another episode (laughs) yeah yeah i want to get the clips 
Cliff's notes, I was like, there aren't any. So <laughs> yeah, I bet we could do we could do another one and we could talk about because I mean, I've been considering leaving LA for, a, I don't know, a million years. And I just keep I mean, I sometimes I take the steps, it doesn't end up flowing. And I've had friends, including you, Alice, that have gone elsewhere. And, mm -hmm. you know, some people end up coming back, some people don't. But it's like, in my mind, sometimes I think like just LA is a lot like and you're not in LA you're in Joshua Tree but the energy is so frenetic and but then also people say like wherever you go there you are kind of thing so I would be I would love to hear that whole story sometime yeah we <laughs> can talk about that because I I'll talk about how I've been told to leave here and I'm ch I've chosen to stay and like really rooted deeper into it wow yes and I've really committed myself like I don't care what anyone says I don't care like this is where I'm meant to be but yeah let's yeah let's let's segue out of that say pin pin <laughs> that one we'll yes. pin that an one. upcoming episode we'll <laughs> be talking about stay tuned guys stay tuned <laughs> it's like wherever you go there you are and and maybe it's helpful to change and check it out and see yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and we can also talk about astro cartography are you familiar oh yes yeah. I, I have mine done to try to figure it all out oh yeah that's okay well, <laughs> we'll pin, pin that pin. Yes, yes, yeah. Pins yeah. in there. So, <laughs> so for today, what I was kind of, we were discussing like what would be helpful for people. And I recently was in the desert with Alice and Ama and they did a private ceremony for me. And it was, it was really, really profoundly healing and such a gift. And one of the biggest takeaways that I had from it was how to, heal and support myself in being really the black sheep of my family and what that brings up and how challenging that is and I was just like sharing with Sarah Wolf how helpful it was Alice to hear you speak to that like that role in the family because we all fall into different roles in the family dynamics and there's lots of complexity to all of it and um, that, that role specifically, I think being the scapegoat or the black sheep is a really painful role to have. So, um, what you had said to me, Alice, which I really, it was so helpful was that the person who's the scapegoat or the black sheep is the one that all that represents all of the kind of unspoken, unlooked at pain from everybody in the family that gets projected onto that one person. And then that one person becomes the scapegoat. And a lot of times the way that that's handled is um, they become kind of like pushed away or exiled or cast out. Mm -hmm. And that's been my experience and it's mm -hmm. been extremely painful. And thank God, by the grace of God, I have like a lot of people around that are my family in, in another way, like soul family um, but that, that piece, and then also the piece of being able to withstand that projection and not internalize it to take it on as like, oh, I am what they see me to be or believe me to be. Mm -hmm. And the, the really tuning into your own essence to be able to withstand that projection. So all of that was like really medicine I'm so for glad. my heart and my, where I'm at in my journey. And so I just thought that could be helpful because I know there's many others that are out there that are experiencing this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's a really powerful, 
powerful conversation to dive into. And I think super timely with especially the explosion of IFS therapy model, the internal family systems model and what uh, of therapy and healing and would love to speak to that when you mention like the exiled parts mm-hmm. and the casting out and um, yeah, yeah. would love to dive into that. I Maybe. love that. I love that you mentioned the IFS uh, model mm-hmm. because a couple days ago, I just did a meditation that was an IFS meditation and it was, it, it was about like tuning into those parts and yeah. really creating space for them, listening to what they're needing, holding them. And it was so, it really felt calming for my nervous system to go through that process. Exactly. Exactly. So I think in, it's just so, and it's so my, my son is learning uh, sign language. He's a six year and a half. And this is more, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, like, do this a lot. I'm like, this, this. (laughs) Yeah. It's the, um, I love this conversation because it's, there's a lot here. I'm so, so excited to honor to unpack it. And I just wanted to tune in with also with you, Sarah, does that feel okay? Or is there anything? Oh yeah. I I'm, I'm just sitting back and I want to see where you guys go down this because I already, I'm going to interject later. Um, I'm going to bring in a different angle, I believe. Um, (laughs) but I want you guys to roll it out because I want to see in this conversation where my experience falls mm-hmm. into it because I don't, my experience isn't her experience, right. but it's a similar one. So I want you guys to take it away and yeah, come that. in in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You got it, mama. Yeah. Well, um, when Jess texted today and was like, this is the topic I was like, <gasps> okay. I really trust, I, I trust the divine flow and the choreography of of what's brought into the moment. So um, let's do it. You know, um, when I heard somebody once say, which I really like, that they're the psychedelic sheep of the family. And I really, <laughs> really like that. Sheep. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that the psychedelic sheep are finding the other psychedelic sheep. And I think this conversation is really a testament to that. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's, that's really powerful. And you know, just when you were talking about, um, in a family system, when, and, and I'm coming to this from a trauma informed, um, perspective, I'm not a licensed therapist. So the ways that I speak to are a combination of the, the modalities that I've studied, that I've worked with, that I've trained with, and then the women that I've had the honor of supporting, and then also in my own journey. So that's mm-hmm. where I, I come to it from a space of, for me, like the, the essence of this work is as an embodied knowing and a learning through our own human journeys and then supporting other women. And, and then of course, continuing to learn and to grow and being a student of life. And that's, that's really the intersection that, that I come at it. Not that I'm like, oh, I know this, you know, it's just right. my experience. So they say, right. Experience, mm-hmm. strength, and hope. Mm-hmm. And um, So from that place, I would say that um, in my own family system, I have gotten to to be in in a space of of the um, how would we say 
the perception of me is maybe that I'm crazy mm-hmm. or that I'm mentally ill or um, I've been manipulated and corrupted or brainwashed. Mm. And this is why I am the way I am or have the belief systems that I have. Mm. And I would say that on the journey that I have been on within healing within my own family and then in um, working with other women in this, you know, that are navigating different things like this, whether it's in a family system or it's in a partnership or it's in a co-working relationship, right? How do we, um, I, I loved what you said, Jess, withstand the projection mm-hmm. and be with that. And um, because for me, part of the weaponry that has created the most pain is the internalization of the projections yeah. where, and even if it isn't spoken, but it's necessarily maybe felt or it's in the room, mm-hmm. being empathic, being an HSP, the things that I have picked up on and I've taken into my system and then believed to be true because maybe somebody else is broadcasting it. So I'm mm-hmm. picking it up and then distributing it through my body and then broadcasting it back out. Yeah. And then the un- the suffering that mm-hmm. results from that, right? It's like a in for me, my experience has been like an internal gaslighting, mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah, a self alienation or a self abandonment or self rejection, and then from there, areas of navigating depression, anxiety, addiction, um, suicidal ideation, yeah. you know, all all the things that. Um, can come from that space um, and how, and then the holding of the, these things happening, right. And simultaneous, the light mm-hmm. of knowing, wait, here, here we are as HSPs, as empaths. So how do I navigate this instrument, knowing that this is a gift uh, of like my sensitivity, that it's a gift. Mm-hmm. It's not a curse. Mm-hmm. And also being able to see, from pain, not wanting to be felt, um, there is an absorption that I am the recipient of. And now what do I do with this without taking myself out of the game? How do we be with all of it? Right. Mm -hmm. And with that, um, I think there's a couple of things that are really important. And I think the first is that this experience in whatever way that it happens to an individual, if it's in a coworker or if it's a, you know, a lover or a family, however it shows up when there's a feeling of being cast out, where do we find our ground? And also how do we stand in our essence and simultaneously not spiritually bypass it? You know, that's what I was really thinking about today where is that intersection Mm -hmm. and how do I come to a place of having really deep compassion for the experience and the other human being Mm -hmm. knowing that they're God too Mm -hmm. right that that we're all no matter what it looks like coming back to love right Mm -hmm. maybe in this lifetime maybe in another lifetime but that's the journey of the soul so 
I had a dream um, when I was maybe second year in um, sobriety and a family member visited me in my dream. And it was like, I was in a single room, like, and it's kind of like a matrix moment. And there was just a rotary telephone and it was me in this telephone. And I answered the phone and um, my family member said to me, I'm, I'm calling you from the other side because in my human form, you actually can't hear me. Um, But as soul, I want you to know, no matter what it looks like, it's happening because of love. And I think about that dream a lot. You know, I, I think about that because I need to have like an altitude that's beyond, um, that can transcend human suffering. I need to have, um, I need to, even if I can't, my heart can't get there. I need to know, I need to be able to look up and to know that that's what's real. Mm. that it's a return to love mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no matter what it looks like right yeah. no matter what so how do i do that and not spiritually bypass mm-hmm. that's been my question so i'm like okay on soul i can get there i got that but then my human heart is like torn to shreds mm-hmm. so yeah. what the actual fuck Like, how do I be with both of these things without fragmenting myself Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and becoming disassociated? Mm -hmm. And so part of that, or my, my journey for me, it's just me has been, um, understanding that my soul, I believe chose earth and chose this time and this is like a wild party. I mean, this is, you know, one of the <laughs> ultimate, I mean, come on. Yes. And you guys are in LA. I mean, y'all have the front, front row seat, yes. you know? <laughs> so so we, we came, we're here. And so I hold this knowing that earth is school and on a soul level, this journey, I chose to come here. I really believe that. And I chose it. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, the program is perfect. It's, it is the, the teachings are perfect. And that doesn't mean that the teachings won't break my heart, um, that I won't feel betrayal, that I won't betray others, that, um, Mm -hmm. that I won't experience grief and loss and pain. And that I won't unintentionally, maybe sometimes in my unconsciousness intentionally hurt other people. Right. So it's just like, it's all happening mm-hmm. at the same time. But what I've come to understand within my own soul is that my essence is divinity. That's who I am in the deepest part of my essence. And my, my spiritual name means um, immeasurable divinity. Mm-hmm. And so when I get lost or when I, it feels like too much for my human heart, for my mind, for my nervous system, I return to that knowing in me that that is a measurable divinity. And I believe that every being is, this is, that is our essence. Mm-hmm. And that, that will never not be true. You know, that won't be true if I go out and God forbid, commit a heinous crime, it will still be true. Mm-hmm. That will be true. If I choose to, um, 
you know, act out in destructive behaviors. That truth is still true. Um, and it can't ever be untrue. And through all in Sikhism in the Mul Mantra, it's the the first scripture. My my husband is Sikh and um that um that's another story. But so mm-hmm. mantra and Sikhism has been a really big part of my life. And in the opening scripture of of the Sikh, um, it's called the Siddhi Guru Granth Sab of their scripture, it, it it's the Mul Mantra, and it says, like, this truth is true. All throughout time and space, this truth is true, and forever it will be true. Hmm. And so I hold that within myself, that that's who I am, even if my human mind, nervous system, heart can't get there. I am a measurable divinity, and I chose it, hmm. and it's happening because of love. Hmm. So from that place, I can then move into the human heart and become aware. And this is this is newer work that I'm starting to do, but it's something that's actually giving me a large enough vantage point to uh, to hold it all in my heart and also in my soul. And it's uh, this beautiful, and I know just just knows him, um, Fish uh, James Gill, um, his work uh, Fish, and it's holding um, what he calls the four truths of a situation. And before we even get to those four truths, it's knowing that all of us as human beings, we have a mind that is centered in duality. Right? We're on Earth. We're experiencing contrast every moment. So we live in duality, you know, dark, light, black, white, like up, down, good, bad, right, wrong. And within our minds, our minds are creating reality also through op- through opposite, through contrast constantly. And what I love is Fish talks about bringing awareness to the conflict mind. Yeah, he calls it the conflict mind. And we're conflict mind making machines, right? Well, if I'm wrong or if I'm right, they're wrong. Mm-hmm. If I'm the good guy in this situation, they're the bad guy. Mm. If I'm the psychedelic sheep, they have to be just the muggles, right? Like, you know, it's this like, yeah, better than, less than, good, bad, right, wrong. And he talks about the different ways the conflict mind operates. You know, um, one is like, uh, the superiority inferiority, right? Like someone like me would never do something like that. The always never statements, the, you know, noticing where, where there's judgment or where there's, I'm going to say self-righteousness or superiority or intolerance and the mind constantly does it, you know, it's just, that's what it does to try to keep us safe. Like it's actually so loving in essence the mind is trying to protect us to navigate earth school and, and it, that's a big job. Mm-hmm. And so the first essence of this work is noticing the conflict mind that if I feel hurt, the first thing my mind wants to say is that other person's wrong. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So I have to notice that in myself, right? That if I feel victimized, then my mind really wants to villainize that other human being. Mm. Um, so that's happening. And then the work that I love so much is dropping a little bit deeper into our heart space. 
And if, if I'm in my conflict mind and I'm placing judgment on somebody or on myself, there's some level of pain that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Otherwise it probably wouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. Right. And the conflict mind is there to help keep us out of pain by making the other person wrong mm-hmm. by yeah. asserting my own rightness. And yeah. so when I go into the con, like into the, the first layer, he talks about him as the four truths. The first truth is that I'm in pain. Mm. And this is where I've been able to merge this, no matter what it looks like, it happened because of love and my own, and my own heart that's hurting. And the first step is, which is also the first step in Buddhism, right? The truth of suffering. It's that, but specifically we'll, we'll speak to our personal experience. I'm in pain and my heart is hurting. And I am so sad that this is what's happening. Yeah. Like I'm devastated. Yeah. And the first layer of it is actually getting to sit with that so deeply and to say like, you know, I have like a little son, right? If he's crying, I'm not going to turn away from him. You know, I'm not going to tell him well, you need to see how, how the other person's feeling, right? I'm going to make sure he's okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to hold him till he's, you know, ready to like go and run and play. And I think that that's the call that's being asked of us is really holding ourselves when we're in pain. Yeah. And to, to not shy away from the feeling of what betrayal feels like, the feeling of what exile feels feels like the the ache of being abandoned the ache of being rejected mm-hmm. and it can almost take your breath away right oh, but yeah. to, but to sit with it and to hold our hearts in the process and to breathe with it and and then something I was working with a client on today and and I've experienced is in the coping mechanisms that want to layer on top right? The numbing strategies or the strategies to the fight, flight, freeze, feed, fornicate, you know, all those strategies, right? That sit on top or the fawning, right? Making everything okay to try to be okay. Those all rest on top of the feelings of like, I feel rejected and scorned. Mm -hmm. And this is so painful. Can I ask you in that? If our, where our fear, because what keeps coming up for me, because you're, yeah. you're talking about, um, you know, protection, all these things like we don't, we we're trying to protect. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, what are we really trying to protect? What is the like? Are these mechanisms that are just in us? Like, what are we at the end of the day? What is all this stuff really trying to protect? Right. So then you're talking more. So I'm like, okay. And then when you got to the part of like sitting with it what came up was like when we really sit with it and give it that space is what we're afraid of of doing that is because there might be a moment where it's true Mm -hmm. and we might get confused because we are sitting with it then it makes it true and if we make it true in that moment what happens with our ego 
Mm. In some of my deepest, deepest, deepest healing over the past two years, when I went to the depths of the depths of the depths of the who knows what, and that was coming up mm-hmm. where it was like those deepest, ickiest, gnarliest, grossest fears and things were coming up that I was sitting with. And I'm like, oh my God, it's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, what, like, and then I had this like weird mind moment of like, if that's true, then like what you, it was just, it became this really crazy, like, so then I had to go even deeper into it, but then it became kind of a mind fuck because my worst parts of myself, I had, I was in this space where they were, they were true. Mm -hmm. Even if it was just for like an hour, like they were true. Mm -hmm. And then the magic happened that they started to fall away and were no longer true. But that's my question to you is, is would you agree, disagree, or have you witnessed that of why people in that stage would be, are so quick and why we fuck fun to not have that moment where that actual thing could feel like it's true. I think there's a couple of things. I think it's an amazing question. And I think it brings into what we were talking about earlier, which is the IFS model, the internal family systems model, which says, I'm not one thing. I'm not one role. I'm not one characteristic. I'm actually all of it. Mm -hmm. So inside of me, there is a raging, crazy bitch. (laughs) And inside of me, there is a spineless people pleaser. And inside of me, there is a warrior that will fight to the death. And inside of me, there is a sorceress. And inside of me, there is a little girl. And then inside of me there, I I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. it's being willing to see that, like those places that you connect with in the depths of the depths, that there is a part because if we are God, then we are all of it. Mm -hmm. There is a part in me that wants to annihilate. There is a part in me that wants to burn it down. There is a part in me that wants global peace and healing, right? Like we're, we're not one thing mm-hmm. where we are the universe in ecstatic motion. We are all of it. It's the same way that I think that God could create a cockroach and a butterfly it's the allowing of the coexistence to see that within me, there could be villains inside, there could be victims inside, there could be heroes and, you know, and, and, and that gives me a lot of comfort that it's not, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. It's that this is a piece or a part that maybe I've really tucked away. And that that part, what I say to my clients all the time, that part actually gets a seat at the table. Not only am I going to um, pretend like it doesn't exist or try to annihilate it, I'm actually going to give it a seat at the table and I'm going to let it speak. And so a lot of work I do with clients is we we do a two chair exercise where let's say the um, the teenage girl comes forward, right? Just Just an example. Then we put the client in one chair and we visualize the teenage girl in the other. And when she sees her, she goes and sits in that chair and lets the teenage girl speak. 
So all parts in my reality and in the work I, I do with women, every part gets a seat at the table. And I don't care how ugly it is, how nasty it is. That to me is some of the most beautiful work that comes forth because underneath everything, underneath every part, every piece, every aspect of the human self is a need. Yeah. And I believe that that need is rooted in love and is rooted in yearning. Mm -hmm. And so to, I think the answer to your question is really like the second half of, of this work is like, mm -hmm. what are we afraid of? What are we afraid of? And I think that part of what we're afraid of is the second part of Fish's model is our own yearning. Mm -hmm. We're afraid of like the deepest yearning of our own heart because to be in that yearning is so vulnerable, mm -hmm. right? To say like, these are the things that, that I want to be true, that I actually want all of us to live together in coexistence that I desire so much for this reality to be so beautiful that you can be who you are and I can be who I am and we can all live together, right? Like knowing who the two of you are in the world, like your yearnings are so beautiful. Like they're so beautiful. And I think the yearning is actually scarier to be with. Oh yeah. Then yeah, than to even be with the pain. Uh, and so when I started sitting with some of this stuff with my family um, and with, with certain members of family that it's been, it's been really challenging to navigate. Fish had me sit with a part that, that I had, um, I had exiled because I was afraid of it, Sarah. And the part was hatred. Mm. I was like, I'm not somebody who hates. No, no, no. Like all the other things but I actually just sat with it and I gave it a voice. And for me, that looks like, like writing, you know, non-dominant handwriting. That's how I can give parts a voice. If I'm at home by myself, like the two chair exercise, sometimes even when I'm in yoga, I'll visualize that other part and I'll just see it speaking or, you know, just, just see. So there's different ways to access it. Right. And when I sat with hatred and what, what fish has helped me to do is he says, underneath every pain is a yearning. And in me sitting with hatred, it's actually the deepest. I don't hate what I have is I have the deepest call to love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that hate gets a voice. But when I really sit with what it is, it's a yearning for more love. It's a yearning for more healing and more transparency. You know, it's the deepest yearning for connection, actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's, this is how, you know, this, this, how do we navigate being this black sheep or psychedelic sheep in any situation is tuning into how much it fucking hurts. Mm -hmm. And this is how I feel about it. Um, and we hold those parts, even the parts that are like, wait, I, I feel hatred about this. Okay. And then what do I yearn for? What do I want so badly in this dynamic? What do I want so badly for myself, for the situation itself and for the other person or other people? And then we actually get to see how pure hearted that is. Yeah. Yeah. And so only when that is fully expressed because it's the four, the four truths of the situation, he calls it, is, is then to start reaching only when we're ready 
And it may take 10 years to be ready. It may, it may happen like that. I'm ready. Right. But when this is fully honored, it's kind of like doing your fourth step and 12 step, right? However long it takes, right? It could take 17 years. It could take three days. It just, it's your, it's your process. So when the pain and yearning within ourselves is fully met, then I can start feeling into what might that person's pain be? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And them feeling their pain doesn't invalidate my own. And it also doesn't invalidate my yearning, but could it maybe coexist? And when I really feel into that, what, what do I think that they yearn for? And I may not know, but I can at least feel into it. Right. And, and feel into what might they desire and what might their dreams be and what might be unrealized that's creating, you know, such pain in them. Mm -hmm. And so within this landscape of holding all four things and then wrapping around the knowing of like, it's all happening for love. And if at any moment I feel like I'm collapsing into that other person's projection, I get to go back into my own heart journey and pain. If we can hold all of that, to me, this space of, of integration starts to happen because I can start to allow the coexistence of life to be life mm-hmm. and that um, we all have pain and we all have desire. And we are also all in earth together with our own curriculum, with our own soul's mission. And we're all bumping into each other and we're all learning from each other and we're all part of each other's curriculum. Mm -hmm. And so it starts creating a liberation because I can find that within myself and I can really start to have compassion for, for the pain I have. And then if the relationship isn't, a space where I feel safe, then I don't need to go and tell that person, this is all my pain and this is all my yearning. I get to hold that. And then in the relationships where it is safe, where I feel like I can be met, where I feel like it won't create more injury to speak, to share, um, I can share my pain and yearning with the other and I can be able to hear theirs. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is the work that I practice in my closest relationships. Mm-hmm. And this is the work that I do when I get into rupture with another human being. Um, and this is the work that, um, I'm still doing for certain people and it's harder than others. Right. So it's a lifelong process that it's not, I don't think there's an arrival point. I just think that it gives me these moments, you know, where I was at the grocery store the other day. And the checkout clerk, it was so hard to be in his presence because I could just feel the ache. Mm. And and so I found myself not wanting to make eye contact, trying to protect myself Mm. or wanting to overgive to caretake, right? So I'm seeing all the strategies and I just kind of settled in that moment. And I was like, all I need to do is to just know that I'm a human being that experiences pain and yearning. And so is he, and he's in pain. And that must be hard, you know? And I got to like go in the car and just wish that he's free of suffering, right? Mm -hmm. But like, it's so, Mm -hmm. it's so tough to be a human being on the planet. (laughs) Yes. 
Yes, I say that all the time. I'm like, it is challenging to be a human. It's it really is. It's like this is no joke. It's really gnarly. Yeah, it's gnarly. Really and like, gnarly. And it's so many layers. Like it's so not just one. Like it just the the rabbit hole. Just and like the more you like excavate, though it just keeps. I mean, we've all been on mm. a certain journey of our own, a very a conscious yeah. journey of really going through, and it just keeps going. And I'm like, going. where are we going? <laughs> <laughs> like in Willy Wonka, where are we going? Like it's it's really. Yeah. Like yeah. what, what, like, I, I, you know, it's like, we're, we're going, not like there's a, I'm not saying like a destination spot, but like, it's just the onions going and going and going and going and going and there's freedom and there's freedom and then there's not, and then there's freedom yeah. and then there's not, and then things are easier and then they're not. And then they're, duh, 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 duh. and it's like uh-huh. this dance we're doing with all of this. I just want to know, like in just in a, not a destination, but where are we going? <laughs> That's tell a great question. Will you, question. Alex, will you tell us? I mean, she doesn't even have the <laughs> answer. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you know, because yeah. we can't stop. Like, none of us on this podcast right now can stop, will stop, won't stop. Like, yeah. it's it's part of our soul's mission to keep yeah. going. But where are we going? Well, yeah, I it, and it is it is that we like. I have felt that this is just my soul. My soul's journey on this planet is to go to the depths and go to the deepest places within me and I actually can't stop and then I have moments speaking of all the parts of yourselves where I'm like I want off this ride like get me off. it's too deep it's too much it's too painful like or I- sometimes I'm like this is just fucking pointless like or this is just or really or gotten or like that so dumb yeah. exactly <laughs> all of it or I'm like that makes a lot of sense yeah it, and I have like, that- yeah like mad I'm mad at god I'm mad at like the whole situation. So I have. There's a part of me that needs to have a tantrum sometimes. Like I do. Yeah. Freaking, like just have a temper tantrum about the entire thing, and when I'm dysregulated, and then I can come back to my center at some point and really and really see again. Like, okay, yes, I really believe that my soul chose this experience with this family, with these beautiful friends, like in community and. I have everything I need. I really see it. And that's something that I just started to get to is, is really a deep trust in life more of the time, but not all the time, definitely not all the time. And just a couple of days ago, I was like, wait, no, this is still fucked, still fucked back in my old story. And the story now is so, I know the story so well that I'm like, oh, there I'm in the narrative. I'm in it. I'm in like the the deepest layers of the pain. But I, even though I know I'm in it, sometimes I still have to be in it for a little bit. Yeah. But what I've noticed is the frequency and the intensity and the duration is less the more that I do this work within myself. And then same with the clients I work with, right? Like the more, and that's the liberation piece mm-hmm. of like, we're not gonna not necessarily go into that narrative or that experience, but we have more tools to liberate ourselves a little bit more, hold ourselves a little bit more, care and nurture those parts of ourselves more. And it was so beautiful when I was in the desert with with Alice because um, you were you were with your little your son Arjun and he's so sweet and he was having a moment where all of his emotions were coming up like just and it, I think uh, Alice's husband Hargo was like had to leave and Arjun was like 
super upset about it, like really just distraught and angry. And, and it was so beautiful and so really emotional for me to witness you, Alice, the way that you tended to Arjun and really just nurtured him and named like, oh, yes, that must be that must make you really angry. I see that you're really angry. Oh, and you're also really sad and just really holding him through the whole thing. It was so beautiful. And I know you mentioned like you're doing the same thing for yourself, right? And that's what we're learning to do, like this reparenting process that our parents just didn't have the resources or the tools to even have that in their field of awareness to even, you know, it's just not where we were at in terms of consciousness, but it brought up a lot of emotion in me to witness that level of attunement. It's like, whew. I know it's really, thank you for saying that because I think that the full circle of this is where are we going? I think it's the journey of becoming, right? They say also in ACA, becoming the solution and adult children of alcoholics, right? The solution is to become your own loving parent, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and, and in turn, in becoming our own loving parent to be able to mother ourselves, father ourselves, and then to also seek counsel around us yeah. that can be uh, Lulu. She speaks of being the competent protector or can be the, um, there's another thing I'm forgetting, but it, it, to surround ourselves with people that we can, oh, this is what it is to have a corrective reparative experience with. Mm-hmm. And so the souls that are closest to me are individuals. Do you know what? They can see me through a temper tantrum and they can also see me stand in my magnificence. Mm-hmm. They can see me where I'm like, I think I might need to check myself into a psych ward, right? And then they can see me be a great mother and they can see me be an entrepreneur and kick like all of it. Mm-hmm. And I can hold them in that yeah. without um, condemning or casting judgment, right? Just getting to see that there's a coexistence in all of it and we're all waking up together and it's fucking messy. Mm-hmm. And um, I love um, Drunvalo. Do, do y'all know Drun- Sarah? Do you know Drunvalo? Mm-hmm. He's a, he's an alien, and he came to Earth, and he talks about literally being an alien. But he <laughs> um, his work is around people entering their heart space, mm. um, the sacred space of the heart, because within the heart there are neurons and and brain cells in the heart, and those those cells that connection, like. I, I think they're saying like it can beam like nine, 10 feet out around us, all around us. It's so yeah. powerful, right? Like that heart frequency in the mind, no matter how hard it thinks, the the projection of the mind or of the the the, the auric field, you could say of the mind, is only about this far, yeah. the brain. Right. So the heart has this capacity mm-hmm. to to extend out through frequency, which is the thing that changes us, which is what we're all made of. And I love it because when Drumvolo talks about entering the sacred space of the heart, he, I listened to his guided meditation and he says, he says, first, thank your divine mother and show her your appreciation and send um, a gift of energy down to her uh, of, of appreciation and wait for her to send it back to you. And she always will. And then you do the same for the father above into the cosmos, the sun, the light, the planets, send a, a gift of gratitude and then wait for it to come back to you. And it always will. 
And he says this, this line that I say to my son, that he says, your mother and father of life are in love with each other. And they're in love with you, right? Mm -hmm. And that trinity of divine mother, divine father, and their love created us, God's children. Mm -hmm. And through that trinity is the portal through which we can enter our heart. Um, It's so beautiful. And that's what I say to my son. I say, mom and dad are in love with each other. We love each other. And mom loves Arjun and Arjun loves mama and Arjun loves dad or papa and papa loves Arjun and we all love each other. And it's like that, that relationship can exist because we can be inside of that heart space with the pain of being a human being and with the yearning of being a human being and with the pain of another person being a human being and the yearning of them being a human being. Right. And so I don't know where we're going, but what I know is that when I can be with all of that, Mm -hmm. I walk and live in the world a little bit differently. Yeah. And then what I become really excited about and what I'll never see, which is even fucking cooler. Maybe when I die, I'll see it. I want to, there are some really important questions I have. (laughs) Mostly about the grids. I want to see all the grids, you know, and how it's all, because I feel it, right? And stuff. So, but one question, like, I want to see, like, how is Stonehenge connected to Machu Picchu connected to, like, I want (laughs) to, like, my mind wants to understand, you know, how the, Yeah. yeah. So, you probably, you probably were the one that built it too and connected it up. <laughs> I don't know, I'm like obsessed and not the, like, but all of the, all of the grid, all of the sacred sites on the earth, right? Like they're all working together. How were yeah. they all together? Yeah. yeah, you were part of the construction team. Oh, thank you. You know, you I'm like, drank too much of that uh, forgetful tea on your way in. <laughs> I think I did. <laughs> but the other, okay. So the other question I have is, then I forgot it, which is just hilarious. Um, <laughs> It'll come back. It'll come back. To think about this. Yeah, I forgot it. So the other question is, I don't know. Well, oh, oh, oh yeah. What you say? No, go. You got Did it. Did you remember? No. Okay. Oh. I just wanted to throw this in there while you're remembering. Um, and yeah, well, okay. A bunch of, I just got a bunch that just came through for me. <laughs> So I'll start with why I was going to throw something in there is because when I was with Alice and Ama in the journey space, we talked about creating spaciousness, right? So like, I was just thinking to create some spaciousness for you, Alice, with your mind and your thought, I'll just bring something else in for now, right? But it was so that was so, so helpful with just like, creating a little bit of space for everything. Um and what I was thinking is a, a day or so ago, there's this amazing woman I follow on Instagram and she posted this thing and it speaks to what you're saying and just the roles of everybody, the roles of the family, the, like the villain, the whatever, the perpetrator, the rescuer, the saint, the devil, like all the things, right? And it said, um, her her thing that she posted said that when the veil is lifted, like when we you know leave this life, it was it's going to amaze us who was actually playing what role and that a lot of the roles that we think were like the person who loves you the most is basically like the one who's really driving you the most crazy or hurting you the most because that is 
a vehicle for the soul's expansion mm-hmm. and evolution. And I was like, hold, that helped me to reframe a lot of some of the pain that I've experienced just in the role of the scapegoat. Yes. So I love that so much. I love it so much. Yeah. And, and I think just this isn't, um, this is a different tangent, but something that, that really, I just think you really nailed it, you know, by sharing that. And, um, in a, a journey, a medicine journey I was on, um, um, I'm was met with my mother's lineage and my mom and I have a really great relationship, but there was because of my mom's own trauma, a lot of spaces where, that warm, fuzzy, nurturing, soothing, you know, it wasn't there, you know, she, she was in survival and, um, and so in the journey, she hands me this seashell, this conch shell, and she hands it to me and I'm like, okay, thank, thank you. (laughs) Great. And, and the medicine is like, Alice, pay attention. Like the grant, the, the grandmother ayahuasca was like, pay attention. Why did she hand this to you? And I'm like, I don't know, you know? And, and it said, give your mother respect. Why did she give this to you? Like, really think about it. Like, what can you do with this? You know? And I was like, and I remembered, you know, somewhere like you can hold it up to your ear and spirits like, yeah. And when you hold it up to your ear, what ear, what do you, what do you hear? And I was like, well, I, I hear the sound of the universe. I hear the sound of God. I hear the ocean. And spirit was like, that was your mother's gift to you, that she gave you the ability to hear spirit. Mm-hmm. And it came in an unlikely form. Wow. But that was her gift. And, and it was really in disguise, but my mom never pretended to have the answer. Mm-hmm. You know, she literally told me, figure it out, Allie, figure it out. And there were a lot of hard edges because of trauma, mm-hmm. but it, it has given me that gift. And simultaneously, my human heart, my nervous system, my body gets to hold where there needs to be pain and yearning expressed. And also where trauma needs to continue to be unwound in my own body. Yeah. And then reparenting still needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And then I get to have the corrective reparative experience with my own son. Mm-hmm. Right. So it all is fucking, yeah. it's just all happening. Yeah. And, you know, we have a few minutes left because I know we need to honor everyone's time today, especially, which sucks because I feel like we're in such a we are beautiful, beautiful space at this moment. And what I was going to pin in from the beginning, I'm just going to yeah. kind of do a little tie in and then each of you can tie them some more is that. I don't necessarily, I feel like, yeah, more in my life, I've been the psychedelic sheep than the black sheep. Like definitely in my family, it was like, I was the odd one out, but not in a way of like what we look at as like a black sheep. I was honored for being different in the best ability that they could. And they allowed me to spread my wings and go in whatever direction, even if they didn't understand it. So I always knew that even in friendship groups and even in one of the jobs I am in right now, I am the freaking odd one and I really don't fit. And I've play a game with it now, like in a way of like, how can I spread 
even just like sprinkling seeds for people's awakening or expansion. And I just really have found instead of being like, oh, here we go again, I'm the weird one of like bringing my experience in a life, my different viewpoint. And I just drop in seeds everywhere I go. Even with my family, I just like slide in a comment, you know, and let them sit mm -hmm. with it. Or I'm really big on like, saying something and then leaving the room, you know, and just like leaving people with these things where in my toolbox, I've, as I've grown and healed and really understood like who I am walking in this world and what my role is in, in, in certain spaces. Cause obviously if we're super multidimensional and different people, we all have for a lot of the places that I go that I'm finding now in the more public sense, because I was brought back to waiting tables recently and it wasn't making sense to my mind. And as I started being in that environment after a year and a half and not, but post some of the deepest healing work I've done, I'm different in the environment and I get to show up for people differently, but now serve them not unconscious medicine or light that I was before and taking on a bunch of stuff. I, I can navigate this and serve them light and consciousness. Yeah and not take on their stuff but like how you said you can leave and like feel the compassion for them but I can show up differently too and I just really surrendered like okay if I'm being brought to this space and do this job it doesn't make sense to me because I felt like I outgrown it or there's more for me to do but clearly not then I'm here to keep giving my medicine and when I come into my family now I'm here to bring my medicine not that I'm the weird one. Mm. And even if it's projected back that I'm still a little off or I don't quite fit in or whatever it is, I just know that I'm now, I'm what my role is, is to alchemize, is to show up differently, is to help open hearts. I'm seeing my nephews do that with my parents. It's really beautiful. Like they're showing up with them different. I'm helping hold space. And I just allowed my role to shift because I've landed deeper within my own self and in my yeah. own healing. And I haven't been able to practice any of that with my own children yet, but I've been able to practice it with my dog, you mm. know, mm. and that I am now as the psychedelic sheep walking this earth in, in assisting in raising the vibration and even in my ickiness times mm -hmm. still knowing like okay we can always come back to our heart or come back to that and even if it doesn't feel easier it kind of sucks or like oh once again can I just be around super like-minded people but it's like I have you guys yeah but it's like we're not together 24 7 <laughs> and we have to go back out into the the field and spread the knowledge or the vibration or the light or the healing that we have Mm -hmm. done and at this point I'm really okay with it and yes. I wasn't before yeah 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 thank you for that and and something else that Alice and Alice had shared with me in the journey that we did the medicine journey uh, because yeah I think like we we all have similar roles and experiences on the planet right and what we're here to do and our purpose and our dharma and all the things and really be of service and like something that I've really had an issue with sometimes like with my temper tantrums is like really like I have to go back into this painful experience or this darkness like again like are you serious and 
and I don't think all growth needs to happen from that place, but that's been a lot of my life and my experience here on this planet. But what Alice reminded me of and what I really, well, two things is what, what Alice reminded me of was like the most beautiful people that you said you've ex- ever experienced on this planet have been the ones who have had the most challenging journeys here. And I really know that to be true, like in my bones. And then the other thing is you can sense it, right? Like for me, finding this community, finding both of you like sisters and just the way that you understand, you understand me. And I know like viscerally feel that you have been where I've been and felt what I felt and to be understood on that level, like you can sense when there's that resonance. And so like with clients and things, right? Like I can sit across from people and really, really know where they're at and really hold them because I've learned how to do that for myself. And I'm still learning as I've not got it down at all, but more and more. And so that is the gift in like the deeper we go within ourselves, the more than we can come back and be of service and meet others in the darkness and remind them that like, it's all God. Like you said, Alice, it's all God. And so that to me is like, okay, on a soul level, I can see why I would have chosen this, but my human heart is like, sometimes just really pissed, really tired, wants to like break some shit about it. (laughs) I love that so much. That makes so much sense. And what both of y'all really shared and really brought it home. It's that it's, it's, it's service. We're here to serve and we're here to be of service and we don't necessarily know who we're going to be of service to or what that's going to look like. And, and that that's, that's it. Like, I I believe like, where are we going? I don't know, (laughs) but I do know that every day my heart is the most joyful when I get to be of service to another human being. Mm -hmm. Amen. I fully agree with that. And I, I love you ladies so much and I'll let you finish, but I have to jump off because I have a call. Have a great call. Thank you everyone for love watching you. and listening. We will talk with you again soon. Bye.